0: Thanks for checking out the YVF podcast today. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are loved. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you in whatever season of life you are in. Now here's Pastor Kevin. Uh, The message is that I've been doing on the love of truth, and we've been going kind of slow, and we'll just keep going as slow as we need to go. Um, but in Second Thessalonians, we've been going through Second Thessalonians pretty slowly, and um, as I've told you, I really um, just in, in prayer and in my own Bible study uh, over the past I don't know how many weeks uh, began to hear the voice of the Lord speaking really strongly through this particular epistle, through this little tiny book in the New Testament where there's just three chapters, that this, this is, a, 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 as I told you in the first message, that this is God's uh, martial message or his call to battle for his people in, in these days. And um, so we've been going through this and we've looked at the time uh, of, of Christ's ultimate victory and then his second coming. We've talked about the enemy and how the enemy is not each other, but our battle is not with flesh and blood, but it's a spiritual battle, and uh, how the enemy is Satan, of course, but how Satan is, is working through the spirit of the Antichrist and through the Antichrist in these last days, and then we've begun to talk about the plan for victory and last week we went and over to Matthew chapter 24 and read the things that Jesus said. So I want to continue with that here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And we're going to begin with verse 6. And let me just open up with a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. And I just pray that you would give me utterance to speak uh, those things that, that you desire for your church to hear. I pray that you would give us ears to hear What the Holy Spirit is speaking to the churches today. I pray that you would give us understanding that we would not be in the darkness, but we would have wisdom, we would have understanding, Lord, so that we might be obedient to your word. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you remember last week in looking at Matthew chapter 24, and I was talking about Jesus' plan for victory, and we went through some of the things we went through in Matthew chapter 4 is how Jesus says to flee to the mountains, just trying to refresh your memory. And he says, don't turn back for anything. Uh, Make sure you take your children and your grandchildren with you, no matter how difficult it is. Uh, Begin praying now so that your way of escape will not be hindered. Uh, Trust in God to cut the days short, uh, to send you relief. Uh, Don't allow yourself to be deceived by false messiahs and false prophets. And don't allow yourself to be led out of the secret place of the Most High, and stay as far away from the falling corpses as possible. Because where the corpses are, that's where the vultures will be gathered. Well, it doesn't really sound like much of a plan for victory, at least not in the sense of the plan for victory that I would hear from different coaches I had in football growing up or things like that. It's, you know, well, let's go on the attack. But this sounds very much like it's something on the defense. And I want you to understand that, th- that that's really true that God has called us to a place where we are standing as restrainers. We're like, this is kind of a popular theme right now there with Texas, but we're like a, a border guard to, to, to keep the wall, To that we're sentries who are set on the wall to protect the city of refuge, to p- protect that, that place where God has ha- has put us. And so Jesus is saying that He's not saying retreat, like run away and don't do anything. What, what he's talking about is mustering the troops of God, mustering the people of God to that place where they're un, in the secret place of the Most High under the shadow of the Almighty. So I want to talk more about that today. And we're going to get into Revelation and some other things. But let's look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 6, and hopefully I'll have enough time to give you an example from the Old Testament today that's really on my heart about one man, and I, I think that you'll really be able to see yourself in him. So in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, I'll just start with verse 6, verses 6 through 8, it says, and, now, and you know what restrains him, and just to refresh your memory, the him that's being restrained is the Antichrist, the man of lawlessness, the son of destruction, John says that there are many Antichrists in the world today. And that was written 2,000 years ago. The spirit of the Antichrist is very active today. I don't think I need to convince anybody of that. A man of lawlessness, a son of destruction. And he says, you know what restrains him now so that in his time he will be revealed. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Then that lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. So these three verses, this little passage of scripture is something that's very confusing for a lot of people. And it's actually way more simple than perhaps you've ever heard or ever noticed. Because Paul says that you know what is restraining the Antichrist from being revealed. And you can look at any book on eschatology, on end times, listen to any teaching, and you'll right away understand that no, we don't know what restrains him. Because there are a thousand, no, there's not a thousand, there's basically three or four, but there are different theories out there about what it is or who it is that is restraining the Antichrist. But Paul says to them uh, in verse 5 Do you not remember that while I was still with you, I was telling you these things? And so you know these things. And so we we'll read that and we think, Well, why didn't you tell us, Paul? Why did you tell them, but you didn't tell us? But it is told to us in the scripture. Because when Paul says, do you remember that when I was there, I was telling you these things, I was teaching you these things, that means that he is explaining things to them based on the words of Jesus that we read last week, that are at least in part in Matthew 24, you'll find them in Luke also, and that he is referring to the book of Daniel, okay? Because Jesus said, that the reader of the book of Daniel will understand these things and that he must be aware of these things. Now, see, the book of Daniel, if you have a Bible with you today, and if you don't, I know you got one at home, and you can find it on the Internet, right? Every single person in here has the book of Daniel. Am I right? Every single person in the United States of America today, all 350-whatever-million People of them have access to the book of Daniel. Probably everybody in the entire world has access to the book of Daniel today. We have more access to the Bible today than any generation in all of history. And like I told you last week, we have all of this power right at our fingertip. And we use it for nothing but scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and listening to nonsense. But it's all there, okay? So when you watch movies about these kinds of things, I don't know, I never watched the Da Vinci Code because I knew that was stupid. Some of you probably watch it. All these movies, there's always some secret book, right? You know, I, I never watched any Harry Potters either because I think it's stupid, but it doesn't matter. I'm sure there's a secret book with spells in there or something. There's always some secret book that only the chosen few have access to, right? Well, the book of Daniel is... Like that, but everyone has access to it. But that doesn't mean that everyone avails themselves of the revelation or opens their heart to receive what the Lord is speaking or having heard the revelation that they act on that. You know, Shaleen was talking this morning about how a seed is planted and then, and then it's stolen away. Well, it's stolen away because we don't act on that. We don't do anything with it. We're hearers of the word, but we're not doers of the word of God. So he says to them, you know what restrains him. So let me just talk about that a little bit, and we're going to look at the book of, of Daniel. In verse 6, I've got to give you a little bit of Greek now. In verse 6, in English it says, what restrains him. Okay. In Greek, that's to katechon. doesn't matter. You don't have to remember that. If I were to translate that directly into English, it would be, you know what is Restraining. You know what is restraining him now. So that in his time, he will be revealed. But then notice in verse 7, it says, He who now restrains. And in Greek, that's O Katihon. Who is restraining? And these things are not mistakes in the Word of God. In verse 6, it says, What is restraining? And in verse 7, it says, Who is restraining? So in verse 6, it's talking about something that could be more than just one person, right? It's talking about something that's this, you know, could be this group or this power or this force. And then in verse 7, it's made clear that it's also talking about a single entity, a single person, if you will, who is restraining. Now, a lot of people will say the restrainer is the Holy Spirit. Well, I'm not going to argue with that because the restrainer is always the Holy Spirit. Everything happening in our lives is the Holy Spirit, but that's not who Daniel talks about who is restraining. We've already looked at this. Daniel made, Over and over again in, in Daniel, we see that it's revealed to him that there is a prince of God's people who is making war in the heavenlies and is restraining the force of the Antichrist. And his name is Michael. Okay. And so when, so Paul is talking about this force, this spiritual force that's restraining the Antichrist, and then he says that this is a person who's restraining the Antichrist. And in verse 7, it says this mystery of lawlessness, the mystery of the Antichrist, is already at work and never forget that this is a mystery. That's why it's so easy to be Deceived because you don't just see it right away if you're not in God's word. But this mystery of lawlessness is already at work, and he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Here's another little moment we need to look at. And I'm not going to give you the Greek words here, but the Greek mood and sense of the verb. In verse 7, it says, is taken out of the way. That verb is taken is in the middle voice. It could be in the passive voice also, because they're spelled exactly the same way. But you can look at any authoritative Greek commentary and all the things that they have for this kind of stuff. This verb needs to be taken in the middle voice. And so the difference between the passive voice, the passive voice says is taken out of the way, it's not a big deal, but it's important just for one reason I'll show you in a minute. And the middle voice, if we take this in the middle voice and understand it as it's written, then it does not say until he is taken out of the way. It says until he removes himself out of the way. There's a difference between being taken out of the way and removing yourself out of the way. And the difference is when you're being taken out of the way, it might be by your own will, it might not be, right? But if you remove yourself from that out of the way, then there, there's no question that it's your, it's your will also, right? So that until he removes himself out of the way, until he removes himself out of the way, and literally you might say, until he retreats from the middle. So let's get this picture of Michael, the archangel, who we see in the book of Daniel, um, maintaining this battle... This battle's ongoing. It's been going on since the time of the book of Daniel and before that. It's a spiritual battle in the heavenlies. Our, our battle is not against flesh and blood, right? It's against principalities. It's against powers. It's against these powers of wickedness that are in the heavenly places. And when we say heavenly places, you have to remember that Paul talks about a third heaven. We're not talking about Satan has power way up there where God is at his throne, okay? We're talking about our cosmos. We're talking about this world, this atmosphere, this space that we live in. If, if you want to get into this kind of stuff, you can read some really good fantasy books by C.S. Lewis and some other things, and you can imagine stuff. You don't have to imagine all that. You just have to understand. I mean, Daniel didn't understand a thing until it was revealed to him. But his prayers were still working in this spiritual battle, Okay? When you love the truth, and you stand for the truth, and you act by the truth, and your prayers are according to the truth, then you are having an effect in the spiritual realm whether you see that or not. And very often, we don't see those things, and that's fine. I'm not sure I want to see all those things, but I want to know that, um, how did that song go, that we're fighting a battle that you already won, but we're still fighting the battle. So... It means that Michael ceases to be in the middle, that he retreats out of the middle, he's in the middle of the fray, and that at a moment in time, and this is the Holy Spirit, you know and it is the church. there's another theory that the, the church is, is what um, uh, uh, is uh, restraining the Antichrist. and I'm not going to argue with that theory either because I will actually want you to see that the church is with God and that Michael is, is fighting on our behalf, okay? And that we're standing with God. That's what we're looking at. How Jesus said, run, flee, retreat to this place of safety. Get back behind your commander. If your commander is retreating, retreat together with him. Be at the place where the Lord of hosts is, is mustering the troops and leading the battle, okay? But we need to see Michael here. So go with me over to chapter 12 of Daniel. Chapter 12 of Daniel. Daniel chapter 12. Remember it says that he, until he ceases to be in the middle or until he removes himself out of the way. In Daniel chapter 12 and in verse 1, it says, now at that time, Michael, the great prince who stands guard over the sons of your people, will arise, and there will be a time of distress such as never occurred since there was a nation until that time. And at that time, your people, everyone who is found written in the book, will be rescued. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake, these to everlasting life, but the others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. Those who have insight will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of heaven, and those who lead the many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. I'd like to be like the stars forever and ever. But as for you, Daniel, conceal these words and seal up the book until the end of time. Many will go back and forth and knowledge will increase. So Daniel's told by the Lord to seal this book and to seal the understanding of this book. And so in the New Testament, little by little, beginning with Jesus and in the Gospels and ending with the book of Revelation, this book of Daniel is being unsealed. It's being revealed. And this mystery is being made known to people in the New Testament. So this is what Paul's talking about. When he says, don't you remember that when I was there, I was teaching these these things, that I told you these things. And you'll notice in the book of Daniel, uh, as with Old Testament prophecy, see, here's the thing about prophecy. So prophecy always has uh, what you might call a, a double fulfillment, sometimes triple, sometimes even more. There's something that fulfills that prophecy in the very near future but that's just a precursor to the ultimate fulfilling of that prophecy that's coming. I'm talking about biblical prophecy. And the thing about the prophets in the Bible, and I've used this example before uh, uh, for you, and because it's a great example for Nevada. If you like going out into the wilderness, you like going out into the desert, then, you know, if you enjoy mountains, then you know how this works. So you can be standing in one place, and you see a mountain, and it looks like it's pretty close to you. And you think, well, I'm just going to walk, hopefully you're smart enough that you already get this and you won't do this, but I'm just going to walk over to that mountain. And then you start walking, well, it actually turns out there are several peaks between you and that peak, right? And you can't just walk over you got to go up and down, up and down, up and down, and you get, you're not going to make it there. It's way further away than you thought. But because of your point of view, it looks close. So if the Old Testament prophets, they see things from much further away. And in the New Testament, it becomes closer and closer. And as time goes on, and these things are happening, we begin to understand these prophecies better because we're actually the, the day of the Lord is actually getting closer to us. And that's why in the book of Hebrews it says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. And all the more so as you see that day approaching. We need to be gathered together. We need to be mustered together as God's army. We need to stick together with each other. We need to receive what the Holy Spirit is doing in in, uh, uh, the local church because that day is getting very close and we need to be ready for those things. So here in Daniel 12, he talks about the resurrection. And we read that. And it sounds as if the uh, time of the great tribulation and the resurrection all happen on one day. But then later, and I'm not going to get into this today, he talks about 1290 days and 1335 days. And boy, I wish I could get into this with you because it's really interesting. But we don't have time for that today. And, and, and so he's seeing events and describing them exactly as the Lord gives them to him. But he's standing really far away from those events. But what we do see here is that there are not three resurrections. There are not four, there are not five. There are two resurrections. One resurrection is a resurrection unto eternal life. And I know you keep thinking, a lot of people keep thinking, when I die I'm gonna go and live with Jesus in heaven forever and sit on a cloud and play a harp or something. And you were not created to live outside of a body. That is a time that's very short. Yes, if you die today, you're going to go to heaven. You're going to be with Jesus. To be absent from the body means to be present with the Lord. But that's because you're waiting for your resurrection. We're all going to raise up from the dead. Every person on planet Earth, every person that's ever been born will raise from the dead. The question is, will you raise unto eternal life in the presence of God or will you be raised up unto eternal condemnation outside of the presence of God? That's the the question. And that's what it means to to be saved. So Daniel sees these things. Now look at verse 1 of chapter 12. It says that Michael, the great prince who stands guard over the sons of your people. Okay, okay. We already talked about this, but when we read your people, that means Israel, okay? But when we read Israel, and we have to put this together in the whole context of the teaching in the New Testament, we're talking about the people of God, okay? We are Israel today, not because we've taken the place of the Jews. That's false teaching, but because we've been grafted into the Jewish tree. I wasn't born Jewish by the flesh and no Orthodox Jew today is going to agree with this but I'm Jewish because I was born again by the Spirit and I was grafted into the tree by the faith of Abraham. Okay? And so Michael, I guess what I'm trying to get to is this very simple truth, Michael is your prince. Okay? Michael is your prince. Michael and his Armies of angels, I don't talk a whole lot about angels, but we got to know that they're out there, that they're here. There are angels in here right now. Do you know that? We have more of an awareness of demons than we do of angels, and that's tragic. There are angels in here right now. Jesus said that each child has an angel. We call that a guardian angel usually. But Jesus said each child has an angel who stands before the face of the Father. But nowhere in there does it say that that angel goes away when you grow up and you can take care of yourself. Each one of you have at least an angel who personally guards and protects you in your life. And we need to be aware of those things. The Bible warns us about worshiping angels. The Bible warns us about giving undue attention to angels. There's no reason for that. But it's also in the other ditch, that's no good, where we just ignore angels and pretend like they don't exist. And we need to see that this is a heavenly battle and that we are spiritual people, that we are a part of the army of God. And so it tells us that Michael, who is the great prince, he stands guard over the sons of your people, it says here, he will arise. Now, in Hebrew, where it says, he will arise, That literally says he will, it's the word stand. It says he will take his stand. And it correlates directly to what Paul says in 2 Thessalonians, that he will remove himself out of the middle, that he will take his stand. And I don't know if you know this today. We see things happening in Texas. We see things happening all around. These things that we see happening in the material world or in the natural world, very often they are mirroring things that are happening in the spiritual world. That God is mustering his troops, that Michael is taking his stand. And there is a division between light and darkness. And there is no middle ground anymore. There's no middle ground anymore. And so we have to take a stand if that's what Michael is doing. Michael's taking a stand, so why are we still out there flirting with lies and stupidity and all this kind of stuff when we should be taking a stand? Now, most people don't realize uh, how close all of this is. But every single day in the news, you can read things that you realize that we are so close all it would take is one spark and the whole power keg would blow. I mean, th- we need to know that Jesus is coming back, back. And it says that when Michael takes that stand, that there will come a time of great tribulation like there's never been before. Because on the other side of the line, the Antichrist will have free reign. Because Michael has retreated and taken this stand. Well, we need to know what side we are on. Look at, uh, in chapter 11, um, in verse, uh, chapter 11, verse 3, we read these same words where it says, and a mighty king will arise and he will rule with great authority and do uh, as as he pleases. And then in verse 35 of chapter 11, it says, and some of those who have insight will fall in order to refine, purge, and make them pure until the end time, because it is still to come at the appointed time. And then in chapter 12, verse 10, it says, And many will be purged, purified, and refined, but the wicked will act wickedly, and none of the wicked will understand, but those who have insight will understand. And so this theme keeps repeating in there, that there's going to be a difference. There's going to be two categories of people. There's going to be those who understand and they have insight, and they have wisdom. That means they listen to God's word. Jesus says it like this, they have an ear to hear. That's it. They have insight, they have wisdom. And then there are going to be those people who do not understand, and they are called the wicked. And the wicked will persecute the righteous. And there will be a refining, and there will be a purification. But it says very clearly, that those who have wisdom, those who understand, they have insight, they will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of heaven. Jesus' plan for victory is all about shining, okay? Jesus' plan for victory is all about standing out in the darkness of this world, about being a lover of the truth. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, if you want to go over there real quick, 1 Timothy chapter 1. And verse 18. Paul writes to Timothy. He says, This command I entrust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you fight the good fight, keeping faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and suffered shipwreck in regard to their faith. Among these are Hymenius and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan so that they will be taught not to blaspheme. And we'll talk about Hymenius and Alexander in a further message because that comes later in 2 Thessalonians. That he says to Timothy, in accordance with the prophecies, that you fight the good fight of faith. Well, what does that mean in accordance with the prophecies? Well, we're going to take this at two levels. The first level is this, that there have been prophetic words spoken over your life, Timothy. There have been things, and here's the thing about a prophetic word, it's going to be confirmed by the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. There have been people like me, Paul's saying, who have laid hands on you and have spoken God's word over your life. It's been confirmed to you by the Holy Spirit. Now, you have to fight in accordance with that. Just because it was said doesn't mean it's going to automatically happen, right? Just because it's said doesn't mean it's automatically going to happen. Well, my son Stephen was preaching in Russia today, and I was listening to his sermon this morning. He said something really good. He said that God said, I'm going to lead you into a land flowing with milk and honey. Well, milk and honey doesn't just happen. What God was saying is I'm leading you into a land where there's the potential of milk and honey. But you've got to do something about it. I mean, even if you're going to have a whole bunch of cows out there, you've still got to milk them, right? They're not going to just come into your house and squirt their milk out into a bottle for you. You've got to go do something about it, right? And honey You know, you've got to go out there and put all that stuff on, I guess. I've never done it. and don't really want to do it, but I know there's people in here that do it. Actually, it would be kind of interesting if I could learn how and felt safe doing it. But I don't like bees. I don't like being stung by bees. But put all that stuff on, you've got to go into the danger zone and steal that honey from those bees, right? You've got to do something to have the milk and honey. You've got to fight in accordance with that prophecy. It's not going to just happen just because God said it. But then we're going to take it at another level, and and I think an even higher level, that you've got to fight in accordance with these prophecies, with the word of God. You know, you've got to know God's word. You know, when you pray, why waste your breath? And it's not a complete waste of breath. I mean, God's merciful. He listens. You know, he listens to the simplest prayer of the simplest person. But real faith, if God's made a promise, stand on that promise. Memorize that promise. Repeat that promise back to God. Put him in remembrance of his word and say, this is what you have promised me. You've got to fight in accordance with these prophecies. They don't just come to pass because God said them. Why is it like that? Well, I don't have to know why. It just is like that. Fight the good fight of faith. Take a stand. Michael is, is taking a stand. You take a stand. Together with God, take a stand for the truth and fight in accordance with these prophecies. Now, Jesus said that you're going to have to run to the mountains. You know, all those things we looked at last week. Go with me over to Revelation chapter 18. Revelation chapter 18. We're talking about God's plan for victory. God's plan for victory. You see, there are different strategies for victory, right? One of the strategies is, you know, just go com- plead on the offense. Just go all offense, right? And then another strategy is go all defense. But the best strategies always kind of uh, work out kind of like a, like a mixture, right? And, and so the Antichrist, this is what I want to say, the Antichrist is going to be revealed. You can't stop that. You you can't stop that, because the way God is working this thing out, he's giving the devil enough rope to hang himself, if that makes sense to you. And and, 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 and there's the the aspect of free will, and that he created us in his own image. And, you know, people want the devil to have free reign. Do you know that? (laughs) People want that, okay? You know, people aren't upset about things like gay marriage anymore, are they? Most of you don't even think about it anymore. That's just gay marriage. Just let them do what they want to do. You know, live and let live. And whatever a person does in the privacy of their home, that's privacy of their home, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. It's, it's just the way things are. People actually would rather not rock the boat. It would be a lot easier not to have to take a stand for the truth, right? Uh, n- nobody uh, uh, enjoys being persecuted. Nobody enjoys being made fun of. Nobody enjoys losing their job or any of these kinds of things. So people actually want Satan to have free reign on this earth. People enjoy war. People enjoy killing each other. I don't know why. I mean, you can see war after war after war that could be avoided if somebody just sit down and talk about it. But this is how things are. They've been like that and it's increasing and increasing more and more. So, it's going to happen no matter what, right? So you've got to see that this three and a half period year period of time is a really short period of time, actually. And what, what Jesus' plan for victory is is that we restrain the Antichrist. But it's not a plan that we try to stop it from happening, but we restrain so that the devil will play out his last, his last move to the end. And it says that in the book of Revelation. It says that Satan has come down to you with great wrath because he knows that his days are very short. So we have to be behind the lines where Michael has taken a stand. So in Revelation chapter 18, verse 1, it talks about that. It says, after these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illumined with his glory. And he cried out, this angel cried out with a mighty voice, saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place of demons and a prison of every unclean spirit. And a prison of every unclean and hateful bird. The word prison, it's okay to translate translate it like that, but it would probably be better to say a haunt of every unclean spirit. A place where unclean spirits just thrive. Okay? And a prison of every unclean spirit and a prison of every unclean and hateful bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the passion of her immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed acts of immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich by the wealth of her sensuality. Now if you want to know who Babylon is, Read this, figure it out for yourself. But I'll give you a clue. You're living in the middle of Babylon right now, okay? Verse 4, I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, so that you will not participate in her sins and receive of her plagues. Well, what are you going to do? Go by, take it tomorrow? Where are you going to go? How are you going to come out? Well, that's what you need to understand. How do we come out? How do we take our sand? Does it mean... Sometimes it does mean physically removing yourself from certain jobs, from certain positions, from certain places where you can't continue doing that without always compromising the truth. And I think it will mean that. But it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to buy a ticket and fly away to Greenland. Okay? I don't know what it's like in Greenland. But I don't really want to go there particularly. but I guess it'd be interesting. It still looks pretty from the plane, I would say. And... uh, and, and where exactly are you going to escape from this Babylon? You know? So I want you to understand what this means to us spiritually first, okay? And then you follow as the Lord gives you uh, understanding what you, how, how you do that in, in your life, okay? So look at uh, in, in, in uh, uh, Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. In Revelation chapter 12, We read in verse 7. Again, Michael. It says, And there was war in heaven, Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon. So, who's the dragon? In this story, the dragon is Satan. So, Michael and his angels are waging war with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels waged war. And they were not strong enough. Hallelujah. And there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. He who accuses them before our God day and night and they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb And because of the word of their testimony, and they did not love their life, even when faced with death, even unto death. For this reason, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, knowing that he has only a short time. Now, sometimes people read this, and like I said, prophecy has dual fulfillment in it. And they relate that back to the time that Satan was cast out of heaven, like Lucifer cast out of heaven you know, back before the creation of man, okay? And there's nothing wrong with relating that to that time. But you need to understand that this is talking about the end times. This is talking about the day that we live in. And there is a spiritual battle going on in the heavenlies. But there is a change that's already happened. I'm I'm, I'm certain it's already happened. I feel it in my spirit. I see it around me. There's a change that's already happened. That Satan has been knocked down a notch by Michael. And Michael is taking his stand. And what that means for the earth is, look out earth. Because he's been pushed down lower to the earth. And he's not happy about it. Okay? And he's got great wrath. And he is a dragon. And he has power. Okay? And he is moving across this earth to make chaos. And people have gone insane today. No, they have gone insane. I watch things, I hear things, and I try to figure out why did they do that? That doesn't make any sense at all. What is going on here? And then I realize, I try to find, oh yeah, that's probably because they're trying to do this, they're trying to do that. That must be their strategy. And I've already come to the conclusion, no, they don't have a strategy. They're just stupid. They just don't know anything anymore. Because God has has taken the restrainer. God is, it, it's a process that's happening. I'm not saying the three and a half years started already or anything like that. What I'm saying is we are living in the middle of this. And Michael is, who's been restraining, is taking a step back. God's taking a step, step back. You read about it in Romans chapter one. God says, that he'll, he'll just turn you over to a depraved mind. If that's what you want, then have it. Have at it. See how that works for you. And God just turns him over to the depraved mind. You know, and if God takes his hand off the mind of man, man goes insane. Literally. We don't understand how everything is held together by Jesus Christ. And when Jesus, you know, you know what hell is? You know what the lake of fire is? Yeah, you got that fire burning and all that kind of stuff. But I don't think the physical burning part is the worst part of it. I don't even understand how it's going to be, to be honest with you. But this spiritual burning, that there's no presence of God there, that he's completely cut you off. Nobody's ever experienced that. And so when Jesus says, come on, Michael, let's pull back the lines. Let's regroup for this last battle. The people on the other side just go nuts. And and you can't figure out what's going on today. And yet we are here in this world because Jesus said, I'm going to leave you in the world. He's prayed to the Father. I don't pray that you take him out of this world. And all the people of God are saying, why? Why didn't you just take us out of the world? You know, because we have a job to do, because there's a harvest to reap, because the gospel of the kingdom has to be preached in all this earth, because there's a battle to be fought. You know, I don't know about you, but when I first heard about this stuff in in Texas. For a brief moment, I thought, I just want to go down to Texas right now. I'm going to call up John Montero, and he and I are going to go down to Texas together. I mean, it's kind of like, yeah, let's go stand with Texas. I even have this T-shirt that my, that my daughter got me at the Alamo, okay, when they were at the Alamo. And, and, and it has a quote from Kit Carson on there. Was it Kit Carson? Yeah. No, no, the John Wayne one. Which one was that? Who did John Wayne played in the Alamo? David Crockett. David Crockett has a quote from David Crockett on there, and it says, "You can all go to hell, but I'm going to Texas." Well, I never wear it because I'm, I'm a pastor, you know, and people are like, "Oh, the pastor got a bad word on his shirt there and stuff." But I, for a brief moment, I'm putting that shirt on. And I'm going down to Texas, and 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 and, and you know. It, it was just for a very brief moment. No, I'm not going to waste my time going down to Texas, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to go where the Spirit of God is. That, I mean, if we want to take a stand, you know, you don't have to have a gun to take a stand. What you need is the truth to take a stand. If you take a stand for the truth. So in, here in Revelation chapter 12, I'm getting all sidetracked here, but here in Revelation chapter 12, very... Uh, Close to your heart verse is verse 11, right? That they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb. But it talks about them being persecuted, that they loved not their lives even unto the death. And if you read on, and I'm not going to do it just for the sake of time, but you read on through chapter 12, you'll see that this woman, and again, we have to see ourselves as a part of this woman as a part of Israel, as a part of the church, the called out ones, as a part of these uh, children who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus, last verse, that she is given the wings of an eagle to be taken away into the wilderness where she is protected. God spoke over this church many, many years ago that this is to be a city of refuge. What does a city of refuge look like then? What is a place of protection then? What does it mean to run away into the wilderness, to be taken away into the wilderness? Well, I want you to know that it does not mean leaving the earth. Jesus said that you are in this world, but you are not of this world. What it means is coming out of the Babylon of this earth. You know, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, Mark chapter 9, and Luke chapter 14 that you are the salt of the earth. Remember that verse? And he says, But if it's salt loses its flavor, then it's not good for anything anymore, right? And how many of you have ever opened up some salt that lost its flavor? You haven't, because it doesn't. Salt doesn't lose its flavor. And people argue for centuries, why did Jesus say that? Salt doesn't lose its flavor. And you can find commentaries that give you all kinds of explanations of what he meant and all this kind of stuff, what salt was back like, like back then. Or like. But that's not, what it, that's not the point. We hope you enjoyed the message. Before you leave, we want to remind you that if you want to continue receiving updates on new sermons, that you subscribe to our podcast. If you want more information on how to contact us, make sure to check out our website at youringtonvilliantfellowship.com we'll see you next time on the YBF podcast.